As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. iHeart Podcast Update. This week on your free iHeartRadio app. Rachel goes rogue. For the first time, she's ready to tell you the real story on her own terms. What's true, what's false, and the secrets she's been waiting to reveal. Two Jersey Jays. From menopause to making the most of your 40s and 50s, follow these fabulous women as they navigate family, friendships, and even frenemies. The Eds. There's so much more to the Eds than being married to real housewives. These two gentlemen are loved and well-mannered, quite the opposite of their trash-talking wives. Hear these podcasts and more on your free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal, with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Just a note. In this episode, there's a brief discussion of suicidal ideation that some might find a little disturbing. If you are struggling and have suicidal thoughts, please know that you are not alone and that help is available. Please contact the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Isaac, when you strip someone down out of their clothing, down to the bare essentials, you see and hear a lot. You become a clothes therapist. This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to my dear friend and the legendary, legendary, like queen of Bergdorf Goodman, the personal shopper, Betty Holbreich. Hello, Isaac. Do you know how I love you? I met Betty Holbreich probably in, like, 1988, because my first collection was in 1987, I was invited to have a trunk show at Bergdorf Goodman through the auspices of Betty Holbreich, who ran this office, still runs an office there called Solutions by Betty Holbreich. She is the great personal shopper of the entire world. She has dressed every movie star, every socialite you can name, okay? In New York, in California, she has huge, long tentacles all over the world. Betty can make or break a collection. And the day I did that trunk show with Betty transformed me completely. I did not know what to expect. And whatever I did expect was completely exceeded by about a thousandfold. It was like walking into another kind of reality. But the other thing about that day was that I started to get to know this incredibly beautiful, complex, strong woman who I also know has a very fragile side and a very intelligent side and a very psychological side. And that is why I was so excited to do this podcast. You know, part of my mission with this podcast is to speak about everything, but not that much about fashion, only because I feel like it's kind of on the nose. I feel like I've said everything I need to say about fashion, and so I don't like speaking about it. But with Betty, I really love the idea of speaking about it, because I think we will get to something deeply, deeply interesting. So let's not waste another second, shall we? Betty Holbreich, Betty Holbreich, Betty Holbreich, darling. 
Darling. Look at you. By the way, I wish you could see how Betty looks right now. She looks so incredibly chic. You're wearing some kind of like a print with some fabulous sort of chokery beads, which is amazing. And you're sitting in the greatest spot in the world, right on top of the world, right on 58th Street and 5th Avenue. You have the best office. The view. Pretty much in the world. Yeah. It's the corner overlooking the plaza, the fountain at the plaza on Fifth Avenue. It's what I would describe as like a treetop view. You get the top of the trees and that fabulous view. And here's why, darling, because you're the most important woman in the world. I in mean the world? It. In the entire world. How big world. is your world, I think, for God's sake? About that well, big? Well, wait, well, here's yes, the thing. In that world. Let's give our listeners a little history, okay? Betty has been working at Bergdorf Goodman since she is how old? 40-something? I've been here 45-plus years. You've been there 45-plus years. And you are wearing a button that says the figure 95. Does that mean you're 95 years old, baby? 95-plus, Isaac. 95-plus. You know, my mother is 95 years old, too. So you girls were born in 1927, right? (laughs) Yes, that's a good year, darling. That's a good year. (laughs) Darling, so you've been working at Bergdorf's as a kind of a personal shopper. Is that what you call yourself? You're an incredible stylist on top of being a personal shopper. I'm a personal shopper. Okay. That's it. All right, that's it. I've been following your Instagram feed Mm -hmm. and your blog. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting to me because like... First of all, I want to reach in there and like throttle you and go like, smile, smile, Betty. It's not a time that you want to smile. I feel like you're very down. You're very down in the dumps, darling. I'm very serious about this vlog, Isaac. It has nothing to do with clothing. I know you are. It has to do with feelings. Well, I know. And I've been fortunate enough to get it out there. And the coterie of people that have answered me Mm-hmm. including, which has startled me beyond belief, are all the men. Right. Boys. A lot of men and boys yeah. are watching Betty Holbrush. Yeah. But darling, like you talk a lot about how things have changed over the years, right? And the word that pops into my mind is discretion, right? Like I know that part of your business selling clothes to people is based in this idea of discretion, right? Well... Can I say something? Yes, please. Do you remember from whence we both came? Of course. And when we met? Of course. You should sit in this office and smoke mm-hmm. on the yes. chair that yes. exists. And you knew those women and their mm-hmm. feelings. And there's more about selling clothes. A lot of feeling goes into it. You have to mm-hmm. hear a great deal. Isaac, when you strip someone down out of their clothing down to the bare essentials, you see and hear a lot. You become a clothes therapist. I know that. I know that. And and I'll tell you what, Betty, like I don't talk about clothes a lot to people and I don't really book people on my podcast to talk about clothes, except I booked you because I feel like you aren't just like an intellectual about clothes? Because I don't really think that clothes are intellectual. I think they're visual, they're sensual, they're a lot of things, but an intellectual, yes, definitely to some people, but to us, they're more like weirdly psychological because we are born and raised in this industry. Did you have ties to the fashion industry before you worked at Bergdorf? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, right. I was a rich housewife with a husband that looked like Valentino (laughs) and two lovely children who are now in their 70s and don't even know where I am. (laughs) Right. No, Isaac, before you go further and then we can go into this. Okay. I do this job. I Mm -hmm. love my job. It is not my life intellectually. Mm -hmm. I hope that I have gone further than that Mm -hmm. and in depth with a lot of different human beings, as well as those whose clothes I take on and off, somehow, when I get someone in a dressing room, it always turns to a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Right. Often. And the selling of the clothes 
becomes almost secondary. You understand that? Yes, I've watched you in action, darling, and I know that yes. firsthand. Yes. But tell me something. Why do you do it? Isaac, I'm 95 and a half years old. I've been here almost 46 years. It is an integral part of my life. Since mm-hmm. Mr. Goodman came knocking on my door and asked what I was doing here, and Jeffrey <laughs> put up a note saying, don't take that woman to right. Mr. Irony. Wow. 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 Posted on my door. I've lived through so much crap, Ola. Right. And I intend to keep this. But, darling, I read your book. I remember you You came from a very nice upper middle class family in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Born in the 1920s, raised there. And then you met someone and you got married, right? Oh, my husband, yes. That's right. Yes. Who you loved and adored. And you moved to New York City, right? Because of him. Is that it? At 20. Right. At 20. Mm -hmm. And then you lived with him very happily for a number of years. And then what happened? It was a very sad story. Uh, He became a drinker. Pretty. But that was only part of it. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't have very much patience in those days, I think. I've learned patience here. Mm -hmm. But I became very impatient, extremely frightened to the point that we separated and I then committed myself to a place called Payne Whitney and was incarcerated for six weeks. You were? Yes. Why? Because you were recovering alcoholic or something? It wasn't the drinking. I submitted myself. Okay. I walked in. I couldn't handle life anymore. He had left. My children were grown and I couldn't. I've always believed in psychiatry. But I thought mm-hmm. best I go live in a home where I can have psychiatry every day of my life. It was a horrible time in my life. But I will tell you a funny story. While sitting in a session one day, in a therapy session, with mm-hmm. eight or ten much younger people than myself, one young man turned to me and he pointed a finger at me. He said to me, what are you doing here? And I looked, I was askance because mm-hmm. I thought I had sick written all over (laughs) right you know yes and from that point on i sort of pulled myself together people questioned me i dressed Mm -hmm. like i was going out somewhere but i was Mm -hmm. in pain whitney for six eight weeks wow and Mm -hmm. i think i learned more about people than I could have ever done in the outside world. And then from there, somehow you just sprung into the fashion world. No, in a strange way, a woman I knew, mm-hmm. Corinne Coom. I don't know if you ever knew <gasps> Corinne Coom. Of course I knew Corinne Coom. Lived across the street from me where I still live after 70 years. Mm-hmm. She was always very attentive to me. I knew her from working downtown where I worked for Jeffrey Bean and Hannah mm-hmm. Mori briefly. Right. Mm-hmm. She said to me, why don't you come? We're all starting something new at, at Bergdorf Goodman. I got so frightened. I said, I thought I'm going to commit myself again. Right, right. She brought me in to Irene Mark. And I shall never forget the day I had to go up and meet him. And mm-hmm. he said, oh, you're very nice looking and you're lovely. He said, what are we going to do with you? And out of the back of my brain, I said, do you have a personal shopping office? Wow. So it just occurred to you. Wow. Well, that's how my life has been, Isaac. Things rise up from nowhere with me because I live with a great deal of fright. Do you know how intimidated I felt before we were speaking today? You have no idea. I, me too, darling. Me too. I was just talking to my husband this morning about this. Like, at what age do you let go and just say, like, okay, everybody, I'm not afraid anymore. You come and get me or something. Or can we just live in peace and harmony and be happy and okay? You know, I mean, does that ever happen? But those are lovely thoughts. I go to the window and shut it every day or put it up (laughs) and say to myself, I live on the seventh floor. Dare I jump? Yeah. You know how many times that that has occurred to me? Betty, 
Yes. Betty, 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 Betty. I can't believe it because you know what? I have to tell you something. This podcast is about the idea of, you know, success and failure and how failure kind of is almost like a preferred kind of state, you know, because when you fail, I think you learn a lot. I don't know that I've failed in anything except within myself. I feel... I'm a huge failure at times mm-hmm. because I'm frightened of so many things that you're not even aware of. Wow. I am extremely surprised to hear you say that because, darling, I have been in a room with you and some movie stars and some like socialites, and you are in control of that room, darling. You are telling people what you think they should wear and also what they should not wear. And I watch you and you are like sharp as a tack. You are fiercely, fiercely opinionated, you know? Oh, that's a secret. <laughs> that's a secret. i very opinionated. But that's my defense mechanism. Don't you understand that? Yes, 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 I do. I do, I do. I understand you, it. I can walk into a room and be like when I come to your house once a year for dinner. <laughs> with a group of... Walk in. Okay, with a different group of the same right. menu every year. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot, Betty. And I can sit down and engage. But until I get there, Isaac, you have no idea what I go through. Is that right? Well, I'm happy to hear that someone else does this, you know? Do you believe that we're the only two people in the world with these kind of emotions? Don't ever, ever feel that way. No, no. Line them up from block to block. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I don't think. No. Well, okay. So now let's talk for a minute about this idea of your participation in the world of fashion and how that might alleviate the pain or something like that or make it worse. It's a pain job, my dear friend. (laughs) But I mean, there has to be something about it that you like. I love the engaging of people. I like being used in a very psychological way. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I do. And that's perhaps what I'm known for. When I get letters from people, men and women, Mm -hmm. usually says something about something other than clothing. Mm -hmm. It's something about me. Yeah. And it builds me up because I have a lot of frailties. Yes. That most people aren't aware of. That you might be, because mm-hmm. I know yours, but now you can sing and you can hear music. I don't have that. I live in an old eight room apartment that I've lived in for 70 years where the walls speak to me. Right. Wow. Pretty scary. Uh, what are you most afraid of every day? Is there one subject that you're afraid of? Are you afraid of dying, for instance? No, not at all. I'm afraid of just being afraid. I was right. born with it. Mm-hmm. And no one's been ever able to take care of it or draw it out or exercise it. I understand every single word of what you're saying. It's really, really resonating with me. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in a daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all, and then some. So grab your headphones, we're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the final months of World War II, the Nazis began using a rocket-powered bomb. It travelled faster than the speed of sound, which meant you couldn't hear it coming. And it was a cruel, spiteful weapon. Technologically, it was a miracle. But economically and militarily, the V-2 rocket was a total disaster. How did it come into existence? Why were so many of the people it hurt, not the people you might expect? And what lessons can we glean from this catastrophic mega-project even today? Join me, Tim Harford, host of the Cautionary Tales podcast for my gripping mini-series on the Nazi V-2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Justin Richmond, host of the Broken Record Podcast. Join me and co-host Leah Rose for in-depth creative conversations with the artists you love. Over the past five years, we've interviewed some of the most legendary figures in music, like Paul Simon, Pharrell, Damon Albarn, Andre 3000, and Usher. And you'll hear from rock icons like Pete Townsend, who shares wild stories about his formative years with The Who, and Johnny Marr, the legendary guitarist and co-founder of The Smiths, who has an unwavering devotion to his craft. Or the stories behind the legendary hits Babyface wrote for Whitney Houston and Madonna, plus how he collaborates with the new generation of R&B stars like Kehlani and Doji. Listen to Broken Record on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I look at clothes that people wear now. And of course, there's a level of of society that we're in every day, people in offices, people at dinners, you know, and people look okay. They look like they've tried a little bit, but on the red carpet, you know, the, the gratin, the upper crust of the world that we're supposed to be looking at. You know, I look at those clothes and they're incredible. They're huge. They're constructed. They're tight. They're difficult, you know. There's no individual style. Do you remember in the olden times that you could tell when a woman had on whom the designer was? Yeah. Anyone ever talk about that? If you saw Jeffrey Bean clothes, you knew that. Someone had a Jeffrey Bean dress on, mm-hmm. or uh, Bill Blass, yeah, Petula, right. But I'm talking about like these constructions that you see on red carpets and the way they look. And our generation, we look at those things like they're too constructed, they're too tight, they're overwrought. You know, like for us, we love the idea of things that look a little bit easier and stylish. I don't look at fashion this way. If I bring a dress, a suit, or a whole room full of clothes to you, Mm -hmm. I look at how they look on the individual person. I never think how they're going to look when they're out in society. Mm -hmm. My job is to put them into it, something I like. I can't sell something I don't like. You know the story that I have never worked on a commission in my life. Okay. So I can do anything I want. That frees me up. Yes, it does. Put clothes on people they like and look good in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be known as that woman. Right. I want to be known as a woman who's tasteful, who brings them something new and mm-hmm. makes them feel good. What do you think makes people feel good in, in their clothes? Well, they see their image in the mirror to begin with. And then the accolades they get. Now that mm-hmm. I get back. 
that I hear about. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you should have heard what they said about me. You right. know, everyone loved my dress. Everyone loved how I looked. That's the best thing. That's my reward. Mm-hmm. Sounds simplistic to you, I know, and childlike maybe, mm-hmm. but it is very important to me. I don't want someone to bring back a piece of clothing and say to me, you know, my husband really didn't like this. My boyfriend mm-hmm. thought this say. Right. And do you still work on a regular basis? Are you still dressing people in the way you did? If I see them, it's right now business is at a standstill for me. Is that right? I see. Well, first of all, there's strikes in my theatrical business. So no one's really getting ready to go places. No one's really has the lust. You remember, every season, somebody had to have something new. Yes. You know that. Mm -hmm. It's just like going to a new restaurant, seeing a new play. I mean, this encompasses a whole world dressing, Isaac. It's not only what I do, which seems insular, but Mm -hmm. what I do takes them out into the world. So let's go back a little bit. What was the greatest thing that you achieved in your job? Is there someone that you dressed that you sort of couldn't believe you pinched yourself and said, I cannot believe I dressed Liza or Candace Bergen or one of the president's wives? You're saying all of them. I I don't have to tell you. Look, each individual that comes into me, be they nameless, Mm -hmm. whomever, are important. I never take more than one person at a time. Ever. Even if they spend hours here. Right, of course not. I remember, darling, I remember. People wait outside to come into your office. The first trunk show I ever had was at Bergdorf Goodman. I had my first collection. And then right away, I was booked in your office to sell these clothes to these women. And it was something so eye-opening and fabulous. And you know, for me, I had already worked in the industry for years. I worked for Perry Ellis. I worked for Jeffrey Banks. I worked for Calvin Klein. And I understood the idea of trunk shows, but I didn't never thought of myself as the center object of the room. You know, I didn't think it would ever come to that. And, and when you did that for me, that was an amazing step through the looking glass for me. Like I stepped through to something the day that that happened. I will never forget that day and those incredible women and you. How did you become a song and dance man? Well, you know what? After years of doing it, darling, and I'm telling you this, I probably wouldn't tell this to many people. After years of doing it, it felt less and less kind of, what's the word, Um, rewarding, you know, because it's the same people who were buying the clothes. And so after a while, it wasn't so rewarding. And it was like a little repetitive or something. And also I thought about those people and I thought, well, those people, you know, Um, and it's not that I don't adore them. Not that I don't come from those people because I do. One must reinvent themselves mentally each day. Each day that I rise, just like I wonder from the bed what I'm going to wear that day, mm-hmm. is I have to come <laughs> here and reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. I come early in the morning. I'm here by 8 o'clock. You know what right. I do? I sit next to that beautiful window and I read the New York Times from the mm-hmm. obituary forward. <laughs> I do the same thing. I read obituaries first. But... <laughs> and I read... And I read all the crapola uh-huh. and I get my head full that way mm-hmm. before my day starts. Look, Isaac, I've lived through a lot of things outside of this world, yeah. the store, and yeah. I've lived within. It's helped me within. What is the main thing that people say? I mean, because I can guess. Can I guess? Can I guess? Betty, does this make me look fat? Do you hear that a lot in that room? No, it's more than clothes. They tell me things that you won't believe, I think. Mm-hmm. I do believe it because I've been in dressing rooms too and people do reveal stuff to you that you don't expect. I know. You know, it's like suddenly they're talking about how much they want to leave their husband and you barely know them. Or worse. I know, worse, or how much they want to kill their children. Whatever it is, it's like not a joke. I know the whole subject of clothing brings this really crazy side of people out, you know? taking the clothes off to begin with starts the whole process. Mm -hmm. And then rebuilding again 
by layering on some clothes. You know, they walk into my dressing room and you don't remember, but it's all ladled out Mm -hmm. according to tops, bottoms, dresses and whatever. I mean, it's a whole story they have to choose from. They don't have to go and look for it. It's you have already done. And I know I see you on the floor. But they feel secure enough with me to take the advice I've brought to them, which Mm -hmm. is very unusual. Because generally, don't you want to see the more? Or don't you want to see this and that? So there is some sort of belief, maybe, Mm -hmm. belief. And, you know, if they don't buy, they're always welcome to come back. I I know that. I know that. But is it because you say it all starts when they take their clothes off, right? Oh, the whole thing. So is it the way people see their bodies? Because, by the way, body positivity is not the main thing that you focus on in that office. I work around everybody. Right. There isn't a body. You can give me any body. That's another psychological part of it. How many people come in and like their bodies? Zero. Zero. Zilch. Zero, right. Zero zilch. I mean, do you like your body? I don't look. (laughs) Well, I mean. I'm not a mirror person. I love the mirror. Right. Me too. Me too. Me too. But I, I was a fat kid, darling. I was a fat kid, so I will always see myself as a fat person, you know? Is that you at least can hang your hat on that? I can't hang. My problem was my mother divorced my real father when I was young and remarried when I was two and a half years old. So in the end, I ended up with two fathers. One father that hung out in the schoolyard to see me because he was forbidden to see me, my real father. Your real dad. And the other man whom my mother married, whom I adored. So all my life, I was torn between two parents. Right. And anger. Anger. So anger frightens me more than anything that can happen to me. Mm-hmm. You see? I see. So for you, the source of fear it might be anger, would you say? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, that's a great, great answer for us, Betty. I mean it. Um, so, darling, what do people say if they don't say like, oh, does this make me look fat? Does this make me look tall? What do they say? What is the main thing people want to garner when they put on clothes? What is it? <laughs> they want to see a different person in the mirror. And my job is to make them feel as a different human being I see. clothes I put on them. Right. You know, turn, look at yourself from the rear. Most people don't even turn to look at the backside of them when mm-hmm. they're buying something. They just look forward. And everyone wants a change, Isaac. I think they come for different reasons. They come for the, it's a bad marriage. It's a good marriage. A child's right. getting married. Somebody had a baby. They want to meet. They're going to Europe. They're going to Cincinnati. They're going to Timbuktu. Mm-hmm, right. A lot of times it's because they're a little on the board side and have nothing else to do, which I hate. Those, those days are sort of over. I think. Are they? Yes, I do feel that way. Uh, I think people are more secure since this epidemic. Right. And I find that they don't have that lust. Mm-hmm. The season is changing. I've right. got something new to wear. I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. They're more secure in A, what they have, where they're going, mm-hmm. how they're living. Remember, so many people's lives have changed since this epidemic which all right. reflects on clothing. And I noticed that it's it's people go into stores now and no one buys anything. You go into a store, they look at it, they take it off, they maybe try it on, but no one buys stuff. I do notice that salespeople in stores are really, really aggressive. zeroed in and aggressive. They are so aggressive. And there's nothing that turns me off more than an aggressive salesperson, you know? I know you don't think of yourself as a salesperson, 
person. I am a salesperson. Yeah, but is there a secret that you know about selling clothes other than the fact that it is psychological? Because I've been in a room with you where you say, darling, that looks terrible on you, but yeah. you should buy it. Yeah. You should buy it anyway because it looks less terrible than the last thing you had. I mean, like, I've been there with you, Betty. I've heard you say stuff like that. When I came here 40 odd years ago, I said, I will come to work here on a salary basis. I never want a commission. Brilliant. 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 That's it. Because for you, yeah. you don't care if someone takes something or not. I, of course I care. Well, of course you care. Of course I care. I care. because That's my mentality. Right, right. I care. But it's not taking the food out of my mouth and paying my horrendous rent. Wow. That is huge, Betty. Huge. Well, it has a lot to do with the young people working here as mm -hmm. well. And I sympathize with them. And I watch them carefully. I feel for them because it's not easy, Isaac. Think how you have to sell to get a salary. It's yeah. a very difficult, difficult thing. It really is. It really, really is. So over the 46 years that you've been in that room, do you have like pet peeves? Can I tell you my pet peeve? And this might set you off. My pet peeve is that most times women's bras do not fit properly. It drives me insane. Like they take the clothes off and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Can we start with your underwear? Because it doesn't, it's not fit properly. Well, let me say why. There's very little lingerie anymore. You have to go yeah. to a specialized store that sells bras, panty girdles. Right. And but there's very little motivation in the stores today in the lingerie department. Mm -hmm. It's basically sleepwear and swimwear has been incorporated into it. It's and whole, shapewear. It, it, and it, shape go into the lingerie department and look sexy. But right. there's no human beings today trained in how to do it. There are a few places that I send people for this, right. there are many women that need undergarment a lot. It's a great source of how to sell clothes is yeah. how you look and dress underneath. As Dior said, there is no fashion without foundation. That could mean the simplest thing, the right pair of panties and the right bra, or in his case, he meant girdling and girdling and bra. Yeah. They don't feel that way. I mean, I watch from my window. This is my window on the world. This is the season of shorts. Last year, it was white pants. This mm -hmm. season, it's shorts. Even the men are walking around. Everyone's in shorts. Is that a pet peeve of yours right now? It has nothing to do with my peeve. I just don't like sameness. I don't like because wow. I think it's a connotation of things to come. If right. everyone dresses the same, our government's going to be the same. I don't want to get into this with you. <laughs> but it has a well, lot to do with it. <laughs> well, you know what, Betty, darling? That's one reason I never really loved the idea of the tents and fashion week. And to be perfectly honest, the fashion groups. I just don't like it because I think it's wrong to make everything the same. It's a control. There's control yeah. attached to this, mm -hmm. that you must do this, you must look this way. But I think we're getting away from it, Isaac. And I think, unfortunately, for the stores, the people who are buying and walking mm -hmm. through aren't buying like they did before. They don't have the compulsion every right. season. Yeah. Now, I hope I'm wrong come fall. Maybe come the fall season. Mm -hmm. Summer is a non-entity. It's usually isn't. People, they want to take clothes off in the summer. It, it's a non-entity in everything. It's I know, a exactly. It's non-entity in living, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Darling, we have that in common. We both hate the summer. Love the summer. We loathe the summer. And I get very scared and depressed in the summer. Like I, I, as fearful as I am in the winter, triple that, and you have me in the summer. I can barely walk outside of my house in the summer. The days are too long, my dear. The days are too long, and it's too hot, and you feel gross all the time. The days are too long. I keep the shade down. <laughs> But to get back to clothes, I began by saying that we are from this generation who looks at clothes right now and thinks, 
that there was a certain amount of restraint and a certain amount of fluidity and a certain amount of flesh that you want to feel. And there's a certain amount of simplicity, et cetera. And now it's really not about that. And originally I was going to say, it kind of throws me for a loop. Like I look at people and I go, are they crazy? How does that fit inside a taxi? How is that modern? How is blah, blah, blah. And there are moments when I go, that is gorgeous. And it's exactly the opposite of what I usually like or what I think I'm going to like. You shock me because I I take you out of that world so completely, Isaac. I have you in the music world with your beautiful five-piece orchestra. Wow. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. No, no, no. It's not to thank you. But that's how I see you intellectually today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could write books again, which you should be writing. I, I am. Because you read extremely well. Yes, I do. I read like everything but you. But I read what you write, you see. So mm-hmm. you, to me, have so far left that world that you're even interested in it boggles my mind. Of course I'm interested in it, Betty. It's part of my blood. It's part of your blood. It's part of who we are. We can't let go of that. It's not part of my blood. It's what I do. Yes, but it's what you do. And a lot of your identities is surrounded by the length of the skirt or the way it fits or what somebody looks like or feels like in clothes, you know? But I've done two books. I know. And I know you keep these crazy notebooks and you keep writing longhand, which I love, by the way. (laughs) Betty writes longhand. Bring me the pad. I want to show you something. Oh, look. Betty is holding up a legal pad. It's literally filled with handwriting. And that is... I have 50-odd legal pads. And all the comments I've gotten on the writing and whatever is... What beautiful handwriting you have. <laughs> I can't sell my handwriting, Isaac. I, I have to put it between two covers. <laughs> Wait, Betty. Book businesses change, you see. It's I know. I know. All business has changed. The entire world is a big shift happening. And we need to adapt and we need to look at things because, listen, I'm going to get very personal with you. You are the same age as my mother. She's very out of it right now. She can barely speak. She can't walk. She can't here, she can do life. But darling, you're at 95. You, darling, you need to adapt every single day to yeah. the world yeah. and how it's changing. When my mother, when I was a kid, one of the great things that she used to tell us was you know what? Tomorrow is another day. She would quote Scarlett O'Hara. She would say, tomorrow is another day. And then one of the last things she told me when she could put words together and ideas together, she said, you know, I look at my grandchildren now. I look at my great-grandchildren now. And I'm not sure I can say tomorrow is another day Mm -hmm. because of the environmental crisis, because of the crazy, crazy political problems that this world is having and the impending wars and the impending disasters. And we better prepare for it. It's only the beginning. And I know. old lady speaking. Yeah. You have government that you have to pay attention to. Uh, yes. We probably know too much, which we didn't know during mm-hmm. the Roosevelt era, because that era I grew up in, and there was plenty of, I can't use the word, mm-hmm. begins with an S, and we got through it. But it's only when the country pulls together. We are so fractured now. I know. Oh, boy. boy oh we boy, are Betty. so fractured, and it is so obvious. It's all around us. And I try very hard to overstep it and not dwell on it. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. 
a brand new show from my heart podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun hear about michael buble's entrance into show business and get business insight from mark burnett find out what scares my son-in-law jason bateman and discover the bragging rights that come with beating michael jordan at golf together we know just about everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in a daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, we're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the final months of World War II, the Nazis began using a rocket-powered bomb. It travelled faster than the speed of sound, which meant you couldn't hear it coming. And it was a cruel, spiteful weapon. Technologically, it was a miracle. But economically and militarily, the V-2 rocket was a total disaster. How did it come into existence? Why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? And what lessons can we glean from this catastrophic mega-project even today? Join me, Tim Harford, host of the Cautionary Tales podcast for my gripping mini-series on the Nazi V-2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Justin Richmond, host of the Broken Record Podcast. Join me and co-host Leah Rose for in-depth creative conversations with the artists you love. Over the past five years, we've interviewed some of the most legendary figures in music, like Paul Simon, Pharrell, Damon Albarn, Andre 3000, and Usher. And you'll hear from rock icons like Pete Townsend, who shares wild stories about his formative years with The Who, and Johnny Marr, the legendary guitarist and co-founder of The Smiths, who has an unwavering devotion to his craft. Or the stories behind the legendary hits Babyface wrote for Whitney Houston and Madonna, plus how he collaborates with the new generation of R&B stars like Kehlani and Dochi. Listen to Broken Record on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Darling, I started this conversation by saying you are the most important woman in the world. And so a lot of people look at you, darling, they go, she's this number one position in this number one store. She's the one that people call all these people over all of these years. People have called you for solutions, you know? Betty's business is called Solutions, mm-hmm. Betty Holbrush Solutions. And so I would never know where you can even approach this idea of failure or fear or something like that. I'm human. I have insides that get frightened. I have a brain that says you can't. And the other side, the brain says, try it. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. What makes you laugh? We used to laugh. We used to go out to lunch and just laugh. When have you ever seen me laugh? Are you kidding, darling? That's all we do. Only laugh with a question like this. (laughs) It is so irrelevant. It is so not me. It takes a lot to make me laugh. You can make me laugh. You can make me laugh. Right, okay. All right, so let's talk about you as a mother and a daughter. You talked about your mother and how torn you were, right, as a girl. Mm -hmm. Do you think that influenced you as a mother, that scene? I hope not. I sincerely tried to walk to a different drummer from where I was brought up, 
and how I lived, Izzy. I think about it most every day, not to be so concerned about who, what, where, and how. So uh, remember, my children are in their 70s. Right. And my grandchildren are in their 30s. Are you a close-knit family? Would you call yourself a close-knit family? No. 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 I'm close, but I'm not. Good. I mean... I'm independently close. Is that a way of phrasing it? It's a good thing. It's something I long to kind of connect with someone on because I feel like a big outsider in my family and I don't have children and I worry about myself as an old person, but I I also don't want to live my life because I'm afraid of my old age and I need people to take care of me and wheel me around, you know? I also don't want to wait for the phone to ring. Exactly. And I love being alone, by the way. I love being alone with my dogs. I can handle being alone. I learned to handle being alone. Loneliness is part of my agenda. Mm -hmm. Wow, Betty. That might be the title of your next book, darling. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Remember, I still live in the same apartment I raised my children in. Right. Wow. That is insane. I can't even believe that. Like, this is the other thing I I think about my mom's generation, which is you, basically, right? Y'all lived through a lot, darling. Y'all lived through World War II and the Depression and the 60s and the whole crazy atomic threat. And losing your mother, father, grandparents, aunts, uncles. I mean, there's no one left standing but me. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, 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 wow. You know, I got to tell you, I am obsessed with obits. And I ask every single guest on my show this question, which is, what does your obit say in the New York Times? Betty Halbreich, 120, comma, what does it say? She did. (laughs) Really? That's all? And what was your life? If you read the article, what does it say about you? I don't read the articles. You don't read them. You just look at the pictures. Oh, I don't Betty. Read the I've never wow. read any of the articles ever written about me. So you don't worry about your legacy? Worry about it? What is the point of worrying about your legacy? Oh, darling, listen, I don't know. I could care less. Oh, I love you, Betty. I love you. You This is the best. This is setting me free in so many ways. Oh, I could be your therapist. Everybody needs to listen to this podcast because this is the best fucking thing I've ever heard. Ah, wow, that is incredible. Whew. I think that's the best answer I've had on this podcast <laughs> to date. I mean it. I love you. I think I love you because you're nutty as a fruitcake. Wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Is there something that you would like to promote on the podcast? Both of my books are wonderful. What I, are they called? One is called... I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that with that incredible, wonderful photograph on the cover. And then this, I'll is, drink this to is, that. is the old book, which was a great book. This has just gone out of print, Isaac. Oh, it has. I love that book. It's a lovely book. That's a great book. Now getting $125 as a secondhand (laughs) book, I think I'll buy some. And it's called Secrets of a Fashion Therapist. So this book that I'm doing now, it's all about feeling. It started at the first day of the epidemic when I was left in New York, Mm -hmm. totally alone. Abandoned, abandoned. Wow. <sighs> and I sat with the doorman and I decided, well, the doorman and I are going to spend the summer together. Mm-hmm. I'll go up and write. Jesus. I pulled out the legal pads and I have never, never missed a day. Wow. So yeah. it's like a journal of your time? No, total feeling. I see. It's nothing to do about what I do in here. Okay. And somehow or other, I've done about 55 legal paths, I'm feeling. Wow. Who's going to edit this damn thing, Betty? God help them. God help them. First of all, you have to get someone to transcribe it onto like a computer because when you email Betty, it's always her assistant that emails you back because that's one thing you did not adapt to was the computer, right? You see how smart I am? You see what a (laughs) fly I am to myself? You see what a phony I really am? 
I think. <laughs> wow, you are so not a phony. And also, darling, can I just say this other thing to you, which is really true? But I think you look better now than ever. Like you look beautiful at this age. Like you look really beautiful. Well, I think the secret is I'm not in love with the mirror. Right. You know what? I feel like that's a book that maybe we should do together. Like this book about how to look in the mirror. Because if you take two like completely crazy people like us who are so afraid and have such weird body issues and weird issues looking in the mirror, it might be incredible as a cautionary tale to others about how to look in the mirror. I think most people are afraid of the mirror and most people are so afraid of everything that whatever issue we brought them, they're all living it. Yeah. We're not any different, you know, Isaac, than anybody that's walking on the street. No, no, we're not. We're so much alike and we're so much like the people who are listening and hopefully who this is resonating for. I love you and I mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being my guest today. And I love you more. Thank you. Okay. Wow. Phew. Darlings, I need a drink after that talk with Betty Albright. That was so intense. I expected it to get sort of, you know, deep, but I did not expect that. There you go again. Betty Albright exceeding expectations. She's just so incredibly smart and so incredibly, like, um, astute and observant. But also, what I never got before was how very kind of nihilistic she is. You know, to answer some of those questions with those answers about the meaninglessness of life is at once kind of jarring, but it's also very exciting to me, very freeing, you know, because it's my tendency to think those thoughts. And when you hear someone that you love and respect as much as I love and respect Betty, kind of reinforcing those thoughts and those ideas, it's very powerful to me. It becomes like a very big inspiring idea and thought to me. I'm sure now that you know about who she is, you'll become obsessed with her and Google her every five minutes because she is such an incredible life force on this earth. And I'm really, really grateful that you were with me today in my talk with Betty Hallbreich. Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know, okay? And be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content, videos and posts of all kinds follow the show on instagram and tiktok at hello isaac podcast and by the way check me out on instagram and tiktok at i am isaac mizrahi this is isaac mizrahi thank you i love you and i never thought i'd say this but goodbye isaac Hello, Isaac is produced by Imagine Audio, Awfully Nice, and I Am Entertainment for iHeartMedia. The series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Waltzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at I Am Entertainment. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. iHeart Podcast Update. This week on your free iHeart Radio app. Rachel goes rogue. For the first time, she's ready to tell you the real story on her own terms. What's true, what's false, and the secrets she's been waiting to reveal. Two Jersey Jays. From menopause to making the most of your 40s and 50s, follow these fabulous women as they navigate family, friendships, and even frenemies. The Eds. There's so much more to the Eds than being married to real housewives. These two gentlemen are loved and well-mannered, quite the opposite of their trash-talking wives. Hear these podcasts and more on your free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.